I'm Jace, and I'm on my own today. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, we've got a new format going, and these in-between shows, in-between the main shows, we're going to put something out, and uh, all the things that we, we've done before in the second halves are all going to be put out in these odd shows. So this one, um, there's going to be a couple of interviews that we've done with some uh, indie game developers. You know, we love to uh, support the indie stuff, and uh, some of the interviews we've had have been really good, so there's a couple of those in this episode, and uh, once you've listened to those, we're going to talk about the revamping the Ninja Challenge. And the first of this week's interviews is one that Will did with uh, one of the guys from Spryfox, who are a studio that put out iOS games and also browser-based games for the uh, PC. So um, listen to this one, and I'll catch you on the other side. Hello, I am joined by Pat Kemp, uh, who is a developer at Spryfox Studios. Hi, hi, Pat. How you doing? Great, how are you? I'm absolutely great. We brought Pat on to talk about a game that we actually spoke about a few weeks ago, which was Triple Town, which is one of mine and Jace's favourite games. And I, I could describe it, but do you fancy describing the game is Pat, and telling us about it? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so Triple Town is a, uh, a puzzle game where you build a town um, by matching uh, pieces. Uh, the pieces are usually things like grass or bushes or trees. And uh, the the trick is when you you match three or more of of, of a single item together, they uh, they form into the the kind of next highest level up. So like three grasses will make a bush, three bushes will make a tree, etc. Up up until you're making you know castles and flying castles and triple castles and things like that. Um, so it's really about uh, you know pattern matching at the most basic level, but uh, in the more advanced strategy, it's about uh, managing your space and your resources, um, and there are also uh, bears and ninja bears, which kind of wander around and get in your way. So, oh, don't, don't talk about the ninja bears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ninja bears are are pretty commonly hated, but uh, yeah. So managing managing obstacles like them um, is also part of the strategy. Yeah, unfortunately, I've never seen anything above a castle. Um, that's that's why I was kind of hoping Jace would make it because he's a lot better at the game than me, but. Especially as we mentioned the ninja bears, they can make it a bit depressingly difficult for someone like me. But oh, I don't feel bad. To, I, to be perfectly honest, I've never made a triple castle without using like you know developer cheats or whatever. Um, mm. so a flying castle is the highest I've ever gotten. So there's there's definitely a pretty high skill ceiling for triple town. So what input did you have on triple town? Uh, so when I brought when they brought me on, I first started working on a um, a revised tutorial for the for Triple Town, which um, worked on for a while, and we were hoping to get some more uh, just more people getting through the tutorial and and knowing how to play the game well. Uh, that was kind of an experiment, and we we learned a lot of stuff from that process, but we didn't ultimately go with a new tutorial. Um, and then after that, I worked on the ex- Capital City expansion. Which you know launched a while ago for the uh, Facebook and Google Plus versions of Triple Town. I haven't tried the the Facebook or the Google Plus version. So, what what is the Capital City expansion? Sure. So, um, 
part of the part of what we were seeing with with people playing uh, Triple Town was that a lot of people were reluctant to uh, buy in-game items, um, and and kind of the theory was that people don't want to spend money on like kind of the special items like you know uh, crates and uh, time machines and things like that because they're they're kind of expendable. Like once you once you place them in a in a town and finish the town, those items are gone. Well, yeah, um, there's a kind of thing as well. I think some people's mentality is as well. It feels kind of a bit like cheating by buying items. Oh, like, whereas yeah. I, I was, I was perfectly willing to buy the. I bought, I bought the, um, the infinite turns. Yeah. Um, addition for it, but anything else kind of feels a little bit like you're kind of paying to win the game. If you know what I mean. No. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is that, That's definitely a, a, uh, a kind of challenge we've we've struggled with with uh, monetizing Triple Town. Uh, but but anyway, the, the capital city was an attempt to give the players a a permanent place to kind of invest, you know, in the game, where they could you know buy items that would would stay there forever, and also just have a a uh, a sort of landing point for the game. Previously, the Facebook and Google Plus versions had a kind of world map where, as you played the game, you kind of expand and and you have like a bunch of towns on sort of like a continent like a world map that you can pan around on and jump into the different game modes and and that had gone through a couple iterations and we weren't totally happy with it so when we decided to kind of add add some sort of like uh, a point of permanence for the player we decided to make a special uh version of a, ver- a special town um that plays similarly to the you know the towns you make in the normal game but sure. um, it's permanent, so you, you you add pieces to it and they stay there forever, and um, and it's also sort of the the portal where you get to you know playing the main game. So that, that's ultimately what Capital City is. It's a it's a permanent town that you uh, place special items like Capital City items that are kind of different from the, the the items you place in the main game. Sure. And you also use the Capital City to navigate to the main game. There's a bunch of there's like docks on the the edge of the the island with boats. And you click a boat to go to a different game mode, and in the so then in the different game modes, in like you know just playing normal Triple Town, you earn items from you know making treasure chests or finishing a map or making matches and stuff, and you get you get these random items that are um, you know kind of like loot, and and the loot is uh, mostly mostly uh, capital city items. So you then take those back to the capital city and and build you know. Uh, build up your capital city slowly over time. So you you might play like a triple town game that lasts, I don't know, it, they can they can last anywhere from you know minutes to hours to weeks. Um, yeah. and, and you come back with a handful of capital city items and you place those down and then you go back to the main game and there's kind of like a loop like a flow uh, between the two. Uh, you're also able to kind of expand your your capital city. You can add like plots of land to make it larger and make more space and your decorative items, so you can kind of customize it and make it make it your make it your own kind of spot. So, I, I don't know if it, if it translates as well, but is there any plans to do anything like this on the the iOS version? Um, ideally, we would like to kind of unify the versions um, across platforms. Currently, the 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 code base for the uh, iOS and Android version is totally different from Facebook and Google Plus. So it's not a it's not a simple matter of, of just you know porting it over. Um, which is unfortunate. We, we would like to have a shared code base, which would make you know a lot easier to share features from platform to platform. Um, sure. And so, short answer is yes, we'd like to, but it's, there's a lot of technical uh, uh, barriers to that at this point. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, eventually that that would be ideal if we could, you know, bring all the the same features down to uh, the mobile versions. So you've been um, gradually you've been adding new modes to the, the iOS version. Is there any is there any plans to add any other modes at all to any of the game types? Um, so I, yeah, I guess most recently we added uh, Boomtown, uh, probably the biggest update to the mobile version in uh, quite a while. We don't have specific plans on the on the horizon for additional game modes um, for the time being but you know after after we kind of you know get a feel for how well boomtowns re- uh, received and uh, uh, you know if, if, if we can if we come up with game modes that we think are you know a strong value to the customers and definitely an area we're excited about adding new content uh, you know new ways to play Drip Town. sure uh, oh uh, we are we are planning uh, in the near future to um, release uh, downloadable versions of Triple Town on uh, PC and Mac. So that's something to look out for. So obviously Triple Town isn't, isn't the only game that you guys make. So do you want to tell us about any of the other ones that you make and recommend some games? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am I'm, Most of my time personally at Sprite Fox is being consumed by a game called Steambirds 2, which is a sequel to, or it's the next installment to the in the uh, Steambirds franchise. Um, so the uh, uh, original Steambirds and then Steambird Survival are both available online. You can get Steambird Survival on uh, iOS and Android. And uh, Steambirds is kind of a um, turn-based dogfighting game. It's a lot of fun. It's got a, a really kind of rich uh, alternate history setting, kind of like a World War One, World War Two uh, slash steampunk kind of thing going on. And um, it's a lot of fun if you like strategy and, and dog fighting and, and things like that. And who doesn't like steampunk here? Yeah, right. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Steambir- and Steambirds 2, which we're working on now, is a uh, online multiplayer version of that. So the other games are, are single player, um, and Steambirds 2 will allow you to, uh, you know, pair up with other players and and you know cooperatively against waves of. Uh, computer-controlled planes or, or you know, kind of duking it out in a free-for-all dogfight, you know, against other players. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a good one to look out for. Definitely. You know, the you were saying this one's going to be more multiplayer, the new, the new one. How, how is that going to work with being turn-based? Because basically me and Jason have been playing a lot of games together where uh, you, through Game Center you're getting to, to do this thing where you can come back later on and take your go. Is, is it going to incorporate something like that or...? something yes. else that I'm, I'm not thinking of. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the challenge with Steambirds is the, like you said, the, the the fact that you have to wait for everyone. Because all the turns are resolved simultaneously, you kind of have to wait for everyone to finish their turns to to advance. Um, so, you know, it's we've been kind of tackling it from several angles. Um, one of which is just sort of making the wait time more palatable, you know, how, giving, giving the player more things to do and, and information to consume between turns. Um, which we found has actually helped uh, kind of develop the strategy element more. You know, if you're you're planning ahead a little more, you take your action, you you, you say click end turn, and you wait, you know, whatever, 10 or 15 seconds for everyone else to finish. But you can use that time to be, you know, you know, planning several steps ahead. Like, oh, I'm going to go over here, and uh, I'm going to coordinate with this player, and things like that. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of using, you know, various strategies to it, – it's the same simultaneous turn base – uh, structure as the other games, but we're just kind yeah. of trying to make it more uh, enjoyable and, and kind of uh, reduce the uh, frustration with the wait time. It sounds like a great little idea. Um, 
I, I love the whole turn-based thing on the phone because it's some, some of the kind of more actiony games can be a bit difficult while you're trying to travel and you're shaking about the bus, so it's definitely the kind of thing that we'd be into. So uh, any idea when that will be coming, coming to us? Um, so Steambridge 2 is uh, kind of on the verge of entering closed beta, and then uh, you know it'll probably be several months before we we do an open beta. So um, no no solid date at this point, but uh, pretty soon. Excellent. Is the the original Steambirds is it fairly similar to what the new one's going to be? So if I was to get that now, would that get me the practice for when the new one comes out? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of the same skills uh, and, and and strategy and and kind of the feel of the game will transfer. So um, yeah, definitely check out Steambirds. And if you like playing on mobile, Steambird Survival. Yeah, it'll it'll be very much a a continuation in the the, the same skill set and the same kind of feel. Excellent. Uh, is there any other games that you wanna you wanna tell us about? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, the other game we showed at PAX um, was uh, Leap Day. Um, which is also it's a it's it's a little farther along than Steambirds 2, so it's also coming into uh, closed beta very soon, and then open beta after that. And uh, Leap Day is a um, a online player cooperative um, transportation game. Uh, you sort of build a little town by clicking down um, roads and and uh, uh, houses and things, and these little uh, Royal servants kind of hop around the uh, hop around the the roads you build and collect resources and and you build paths for them and and sort of optimize optimize their routes to to efficiently you know collect and craft and sell resources um, and it's persistent so you can you can build the town and then and and tweak it until it's more and more efficient and then log off and come back the next day and it'll have been running you know, over and over and over in, in these 90 second intervals we call leap days. And, um, and it will have generated money, you know, running overnight, which you can then use to purchase new items to, uh, expand your town more. Um, and the cool thing is it's all cooperative. So you're all, you're on a map with eight other players and you're kind of separated by this frozen tundra. And as you expand, you sort of melt away the ice so you can like merge your town with another, another player's town. And then you can trade resources that you might not have access to, but your ally might. And you can together you can craft more uh, more valuable resources. And uh, and you can just continuously go back and, and and tweak the little town. It's really it's really uh, addicting how much you can just noodle with it and, and squeeze a little bit more efficiency out of it over and over. So we're really excited about that game. And, yeah, uh, I really I really like the sound of it. Um, especially there's one thing. I mean. Me and Jace at the at the console ninjas we're a we're, we're very co-op based. We we like to do everything as a team, and it, there's not a lot of that on iOS. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I I think we would actually, we would really, really get into that, especially from you guys. If it's anywhere near as good as Triple Town, then we're, we're going to love it. Yeah, I mean we're we're huge fans of of uh, multiplayer co-op at Triple Town. It's sort of it, it it's our favorite kind of games to to play and to make. So uh, it's definitely we agree that it's a uh, kind of underserved uh, type of gameplay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Leap, Day, Leap Day is going to be uh, browser-based first, but we have plans to uh, move to mobile as quickly as as quickly as, as feasible. Um, so, yeah, you know, hopefully in the near future you'll be able to play, you know, cooperatively on iOS uh, on Leap Day. Oh, we'll, st- we'll certainly still have a go on the PC as well. Also, just as importantly, what do you guys have right now that we could play? 
Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I mentioned Steambird's titles. You can check out, you know, the latest Capital City stuff on the uh, browser versions of Triple Town. Um, we have Panda Poet, which is a, uh, a fun, um, it's a competitive uh, word game. So you against another player. It mixes kind of uh, Scrabble-like, you know, word spelling with uh, kind of territory control um, and with cute pandas. I think that's the, the main games you want to check out from us. Right, right. We'll, we'll give that a go. Right, so before we get off, um, where, where can people find your studio if they want to follow you on Twitter or anything? Uh, I mean, our SpriteFox.com is our, our website, and uh, sure. we revamped it a couple months ago. So it's, you know, we've got, like, nice forums and links for all the social media stuff. So, uh, and all our games. So, yeah, definitely check us out at SpriteFox.com. Well, thanks a lot for coming on and telling us about your stuff. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Yeah, it's my pleasure. Okay, take care. So there we go. That's the first of the two interviews for this episode. And uh, it was a really good one to um, get the guy from SpriteFox on. They're doing some really interesting stuff. So if you haven't checked out any of their games, as Will said, we've been playing a lot of Triple Town. I've certainly been playing a lot of Steambird Survival on the old iPad. So uh, check their stuff out. It's really good. Um, their website, if you missed it on the interview, is spryfox.com. S-P-R-Y-F-O-X.com. Um, check it out. The second interview, then, for this week is uh, one that we both did really recently. Um, a couple of you may have heard of a game that's coming out called Tengami. Um, it's scheduled to come out this summer um, from a little tiny studio called Nyam Yam Games. I have to apologise for the audio on this one. Um, the guys didn't have headsets and stuff on the other end of the line. It breaks up a few times. It was Skyping at like peak times in the afternoon. So um, it's not the best audio quality, but the content is in there. It's really good, um, really interesting. So um, yeah, I'll catch you on the other side of this one. We'll talk about the Ninja Challenge. Okay, everyone, welcome to another one of our indie interviews. And today, it gives us a great pleasure to have on the line Jennifer Snyderite and Phil Tossel from Yam Yam Games. Hello, guys. Hi. So, Yam Yam Games was introduced to us from the guys over at Lady Shotgun Games. They said we should get in touch because Tengami was a really interesting project. So, so um, here we are. Um, can you tell us a bit about Yamyam Games and about yourselves? Uh, yeah, so, I'll just, so I'm, I'm Phil. Uh, yeah, so I've been making games for near enough 15 years now. Um, I used to work for Rare for about 13 years, and then after a while, uh, decided to leave. And together with Jennifer, we started Yamyam Games, uh, which is our own small uh, indie studio. Okay. Yeah, so uh, hi, my name is Jennifer. Um, as you can probably tell from the accent, I was born in Germany. And I um, started out in games actually uh, working for a company in Tokyo, Japan. It's a not very well-known developer called Acquire. They mostly make uh, ninja and samurai action-adventure games. Uh, maybe some, some have heard of uh, Shinobido or the Way of the Samurai series. Yeah, yeah. And, yes. Yes? Okay, cool. And I was um, in Tokyo for four years, uh, you know, making games with the choir. And um, after that, um, I thought, okay, you know, let's, let's try something else. And um, looked out for a couple of jobs all over the place, all over the world, basically. And um, uh, did an interview with uh, Rare as well here in the UK. And uh, really, really liked it there from the interview and decided to give it a go. And uh, th- this is at Rare, it's um, where I met Phil and um, our artist Rio, who is also ex-Rare. 
And um, after working there, you know, on one game, on Connect Sports, um, and finishing it, we just, I decided um, it's time to um, to just leave behind this whole world of mainstream game development and uh, see what uh, you know what I can do with a few friends working as a, as a small team on just you know really interesting projects. Sounds really interesting. You've got um, a really good background there. So we've me and Jason both take a look at the new game ten game. We've looked at the, the videos for it and stuff. But do you want to explain to everyone what it is? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we spent quite a lot of time trying to figure out how to explain it in the beginning because it's a little bit unusual. Um, but basically, it's um, it's an adventure game um, where you play a character that's that's inside a, a pop up book. Um, so if you think of like the classic, um, mostly children's pop up books, where the whole world kind of pops up. Um, so you play this character and you you navigate him through the world and you you solve puzzles. And you you try and figure out what's going on in the game. And and, and so I think so this is a bit like the the most difficult to understand about the game. So because uh, you are in this kind of in this pop up world, or maybe what's easier to imagine is you are in a world that can fold flat. And usually when the world folds flat, something else unfolds at the same time. So a lot of the exploring that you do is basically um, surrounded, is, is, um, is about folding and unfolding the world. I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but in the, in the first trailer that we released, there's like a scene where, you where um, a shrine is unfolded. I've watched the videos uh, on YouTube and the concept of it is just fantastic. It blew me away. Um, could you tell us a bit about the, the technology behind the paper kit and stuff that I've read about on your website, but people might not have um, heard about? Yeah, so the, the paper kit's um, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I suppose, like a Lego kit, where you, you can sort of put together different shapes um, in a way that guarantees that it will, it will always fold flat. And it allows us to put together these different shapes according to a set of rules. Uh, and, and making sure that it will always uh, fold flat and, and, and unfold again. One of the things I noticed when watching the video, there was a little bit with uh, you were, it looked like you were pulling ta- a tab, like a little, like in a pop-up book to make a lift, an elevator go up and down. Um, is there more kind of things like this in it? Uh, yeah. So, um, it, uh, like on top of being able to fold and unfold parts of the world, uh, there's also something that's called like a pull tab or a pull strip that are, is used a lot in um, in pop-up books. Yeah. And um, yeah, we also use uh, that like for um, you know for for several puzzles and um, and just a general you know nice interactivity, just like for opening things or switching out parts of the world. Yeah, this is what I was wondering because uh, we, we can see how, how good the game looks, but I wasn't really sure of the uh, the gameplay. Is there going to be lots of puzzles in there, or is it just a, a, about discovering the world around? Yeah, I would say that it's a it's a game about discovery and having a sense of wonder of being in this really magical world that can you know disappear at any moment in time to reveal something completely unexpected at the same time. And it's a lot. It's a lot about the atmosphere, and uh, yes, exp- exploration and discovery in front of your eyes. And there's also, um, but I would say like it's like mild uh, puzzles. 
it's not like it's, it's not like a hardcore puzzle game. It's it's really more about you know the exploration and the atmosphere and going deeper and deeper into the book, which means that you're going deeper into the story and you know finding out uh, what's what's happening and what the story is about. What kind of con- controls are we looking at for a game like this? Like, is it going to be a, a touch screen kind of adventure or? Yes. So uh, on the iPad, um, it's touch based. Of course, uh, so you yeah. uh, you navigate the character by just uh, double tapping where you want the character to go. And, uh, unfolding uh, uh, is c- kind of done by a swiping across the screen. So you you touch the pop up that you want to unfold, and then it and then you swipe the finger gently across the screen, and the pop up, you know, the unfolding will follow your finger. So you can do it as fast or as slowly as you want. So you can really get the full effect of the uh, the unfolding and the, the popping up like. Yeah. It sounds fantastic. Um, the gameplay sort of reminds me of um, another real indie hit, which was um, Sword and Sorcery. Is that kind of um, that sort of adventure gameplay, just um, yeah. discovering the world around you, and it's really reminiscent of that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's in that sense uh, comparable with uh, Sword and Sorcery because it's also like a game that's very much about the atmosphere and. Uh, exploration. So you could say, um, I mean, uh, Source and Sorcery is obviously, you know, built on the old adventure games on the PC, like a lot of the Sierra adventures, like King's Quest, Space Quest. But Tengami, I think, is even more minimalist. We try to, to convey the story to the player, like through what it's through what it is that the player is doing in the world. So there's not going to be like a lot of text or characters to talk to, you know, that that will give you like um, that will that will give you quests or explain the whole game to you. Like it's, Tengami is, uh, I think, a little bit more contemplative than, for example, Swords and Sorcery, and you need to you really need to think about the game for yourself to figure out what it's all about. Excellent. Um, there's there's obviously a very Japanese um, influence in there. Where, where do those um where do you get the, the authenticity of the, the Japanese art from? Um, is that all from Roy or, or is it um, from somebody else who's, who's joined you on the team? Um, I mean, we all uh, we all have a, a great kind of fascination and love of uh, traditional Japanese uh, culture and arts and crafts. Um, Jennifer lived in Japan for, as she said, for a number of years, and I've been there many, many times myself. And... Obviously, we have Rio, who's, I think, couldn't make the game authentic in the way that it is without Rio, really, because he he brings the Japanese perspective to it. And although both of us have a good understanding of, you know, what makes something authentically Japanese, you, you can't really fully understand it unless you've, you've kind of grown up in that, that culture. So he he often will point things out that, that we don't really think about and, and he'll say like you know this this probably isn't how it was done um in Japan and if we just change it slightly. But but we've been trying to find a balance between we want it to be like authentically Japanese but not in a way that would alienate people. So because Japanese stuff can be very minimalistic and very simplistic. Um, so it's kind of finding that balance where it still has a, a strong appeal for you know, the rest of the world as well. Also, one of the things I noticed, the, the music, the soundtrack for the trailer, 
is really it's really nice. It's a lovely track. Is there going to be more of this kind of thing? Is is it all original music and stuff? Yeah, yeah. We've, we're really lucky to have um, a guy called David Wise who um, who also is also expert and he's pretty well known in music uh, in game music, um, like Donkey Kong, uh, the Donkey Kong music, uh, and he. He said he wanted to do the music for us when we first started uh, started working on Tengami, and uh, yeah, he's fantastic. So we've got we've got a whole series of tunes um, lined up. They're they're basically a again a Japanese kind of flavour, but not but kind of mixed with kind of Western, uh, a little bit like some of the, the I don't know if you've seen the last summer. It's yes, yes. Japanese was. Western, so it's still you know very traditional Japanese music can be very hard on the Western ear because it's very uh, it's very minimalistic, and so we wanted that kind of that kind of balance between the two, and, and Dave's doing a really good job so far. So Tengami is definitely the kind of game you want to play with headphones in. Yeah, yeah, it's. So, um, is there any sort of release schedule for the game? I know it says um, summer to 2013 on the website. Is that um, still on for that sort of time frame? Like, I can't tell you like an exact day, but it will be around uh, June, July, August, that time. So it's definitely still on for summer. iOS version coming in the summer, and then PC and Mac um, a short while after. Wonderful. Well, I really can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, the game looks fantastic, and we're really trying to support the um, indie developers uh, through the console ninjas. We're we're doing lots of lots of interviews and um, just trying to promote these games. So certainly we'll be talking about it a lot, and I'm sure we'll feature it on the show. And um, Will, have you got any more questions to ask? I think one of the ones that I was going to ask was, uh, what are your main influences? What kind of games influence you the most in making Tengami? Because <laughs> It feels to me a bit like um, a mixture of, as you said, sword and, sword and sorcery and maybe Paper Mario. I think you personally, I, I don't know about Jennifer, but I actually don't play many games anymore. Um, most of my influences come from, from outside of games. Right. I used to play games in the kind of snares N64 era, but pretty much since then, I haven't played a lot of games. Um, I don't know if you... About you. Yeah, I still I I still play a lot of games, but um, so with with Tengami because when we started working on it, like we didn't start out with with the with the idea we are making an adventure game. What we at the beginning was we just said okay, we are really fascinated by you know by pop up books and by pop up as a game mechanic. How can we find a game that uses pop up as a, as a game mechanic? And actually, the first, you know, the first thing that we experimented with Tengami was more like a, an action platformer kind of game and had nothing to do with a point and click adventure. And just, you know, through experimenting with the pop up and seeing what kind of things fitted, only through that is that we arrived at adventure games. So there was never a conscious decision, you know, on, on, on my part. Uh, where we said, yeah, okay, you know, we are making a sword and sorcery mix with Paper Mario. It's just something that naturally evolved while experimenting with pop-up as a game mechanic. So in that sense, 
I, I can't really say that there is a game that inspired us to make Hengami, because really everything is just derived from trying to figure out what is this video game that could take place in a pop-up book or in a you know in a folding world. And it was a it was a very long and hard process actually. I like I like the yes. idea of that though. I like, I like the idea of um, the fact that you had the concept first. It was this that you want, and then the game kind of evolved from that. I think that's great. Thanks. And that, that's what's made it such a such an interesting concept as well, and so different from anything else. I think the the way you've gone about that, um, I really respect that. And it's so difficult to find people with, with new concepts these days, and that's obviously what a lot of the indie developers do find their own um, niches and things. Um, Will, is that the end of your questions? Have you got any more? Um, I, I don't know. I was maybe just going to ask if you have any plans for any games after this. Is your mind still just firmly on Tingami at the moment? Yeah, actually, at the moment, because because we want to release this summer, which is only six months away, so we are just really, you know, starting to panic. <laughs> yes. It's just, uh, you know, getting to this point where you get this tunnel vision where it's just, okay, you know, it's the race to release, and we, we need to give it our all. So really didn't have any time to think about what could be after Tengami. Just really, you know, trying to make, to make it the best we can. And um, trying to to hit the deadline that, that we set that we set ourselves, which is yeah the summer. And I think what happens after that will largely depend on how um, how people will receive Tengami. Like, is this a kind of game concept that people are interested in? Uh, like, we, I don't know if I said that earlier, but we spend a lot of time on developing the paper kit because that kind of technology. It doesn't exist commercially at the moment. So, of course, one way of thinking about it could be we spend one year just on, just to create the technology for this pop-up game. Uh, should we really only make one pop-up game and you know and then go to something completely different? Um, so maybe we will. Uh, we would. I guess you know we would see what what the reactions are like, and also um, if we have more ideas. That we want that we want uh, to do with a pop-up, because I just I, if we did another pop-up game, I wouldn't just you know want to make a kind of like a rehash of what Tengami is. Like we would be if we if we do another game or Tengami two, then we really need to have a new and interesting idea that we can do the pop-up that didn't that we didn't explore in the first game. So this is uh, one thing yeah to consider. So you're talking about the reaction to the game. Um, from what I've read from people who've, who've seen it early, and I know you took it to um, Indicate and stuff um, last year, uh, from the reactions I've seen, I think it's all been positive. Um, what's it been like um, doing things like the Indicate and stuff and being nominated for the awards there? Uh, super exciting. <laughs> so, like, I don't, I don't know if you know how it works. So, actually, pretty early in the year, I think around April or May, like you need to um to submit your game so that you are you know in con- so that that you, you are you're considered to be a nominee and then you have to wait until october for several months till they tell you whether you've been selected or not and um yeah that was that was a really big deal and uh, we were so happy uh, that we got selected because all of the games uh, that are nominated at indicate are games that do something different I mean, all of the games are really diverse, and 
but it's it's just you know it's um it's really encouraging like for a developer if you get if you get selected um something like indicate and we went to the to the festival in October early October in some in a part of Los Angeles that's called Culver City which is I think um where where a lot of the uh, movie studios are like uh, we saw Sony the Sony studios for example and it takes place in the in the city center of Culver City they bring out tents uh, where you can play games and then there's from you know walking by and it's not necessarily gamers it's just really all people you get a lot of families but like I said you also just get people that are walking the dog and that are like okay what what is this indicate let's let's check out these games and it's really interesting to see especially how people that I think don't identify as gamers or maybe don't have a lot of experience with games how they react um to your game and um it's it's actually it's really helpful to um because it gives you like such a different perspective on games i think a lot of the things that we do in games um only make sense to people who have a history with games and this becomes very obvious if you put a person in front of your game who has never played it you know who who has never played a video game in their lives so yeah. it's like good it's a real of course you get like a lot of people that really love video games that come to it but you also just get you know people that are actually not that into games but they just want to check it out and um yeah it's just it's a really diverse a group of people that 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 play your game at Indicate. I suppose that's um, a really good indicator as well for how the market in general is going to react to your game. Um, people from different walks of life all seeing it at the same time, you know. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And um, indicate is such a celebration of, uh, you know, I wouldn't just say independent games. It's just it's a celebration of video games, and um, it was a, it was a great atmosphere. They also did something called uh, night games, like on the west coast. Um, of the USA, where it's always warm, and even in the evenings, like during during nighttime, like it was still so warm outside that you could just, you know, wear a t-shirt. And they had all these TVs out in the city center, that where you could see like all sorts of video games. Um, and uh, you know, people were just playing, and every hour they would switch the games that were being played. And it was just, uh, such an amazing atmosphere, you know. Just it's like it's nighttime. You have all these big screens, like under under the free sky, and you have other people playing different video games. And it was it was just beautiful. Um, if you ever get the chance uh, to go, like I definitely recommend it. It's a it's a great experience. Yeah, it does sound fantastic. Why, why did we not have tickets booked to go to this gym? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we'll have to sort that out one year, mate. Definitely. <laughs> Well, I think that kind of brings us towards the end of um, the questions we've got. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything else you, you, you want to bring to the fore, anything you um, want, want to point us to your website and stuff like that so people know where to find you. Sure. Our website is uh, com, but if that is too difficult to spell, then you can also go to tengami.com, which will refer you to our website. And we are, of course, also on a Facebook uh, if you just search for either Tengami or Yum Yum, and on Twitter where we are called Yum Yum Games. Yeah, yeah, we'll put links to all those in the show notes and everything as well. Um, so 
So just leaves me to say, um, Philip Tossel, Jennifer Schneider, right? Thank you very much for coming on. Um, we're looking forward to Tengami, and um, we might be back in touch with you once you've got the game out and um, yeah. see how it's all going for you. Thanks so Thank much. You. Thanks both very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. And there we go. The second interview done. Um, really interesting stuff. This Tengami concept with the folding paper and stuff. Um, as you heard there, it's it's a really innovative kind of thing that, that's coming out, and um, nobody else is doing stuff like that. So. Check that one out on their site. Um, it's nyamyam.com, Yam Yam Games, and uh, see what they're doing. So that's the indie interviews and stuff out of the way then. Um, I suppose the only other thing we've got to talk about now is the Ninja Challenge. Those of you who've been with us for a while might remember, we did a few Ninja Challenges, and all we did, we picked a free game that was around on iOS at the time, um, chose a game mode, and uh, asked people to join us on Game Center, play through the game, and set a few high scores, and just see where we were on the leaderboard, see where we all ended up. We've given out prizes in the past, and we're going to keep doing that. The last game we picked, way back, uh, I don't know when it was, I think it might have been uh, back in October or something, um, the last one we picked was a game called Hexby, and it kind of fell over because the uh, game centre integration wasn't great, and the leaderboards weren't updating and stuff, and I think a few people had problems with that, and it might have put them off. Um, we did have a winner out of that eventually, and it was Welsh Benno again. So, H, I'm going to send you a code for a game. I'm not sure what game yet. Um, I think I said I was going to send you... Um, one for Butterfinger, I'm not sure if I did, but if not, I'll gift you a copy of that as your prize for that one. We'll, we'll draw a line under the old, uh, the older Ninja Challenges. We're going to start again now. Um, the format's going to be the same, but I'm just going to be a bit more selective about the games I choose. We're going to mostly do it with free games, but occasionally we might throw in a paid one, which I think is really interesting. It'll only be like 69p games, so it's going to be nothing special, but um, we're going to stick on iOS because we've got the Game Center to track it and stuff. So this time round, the game I've chosen is a crazy little scrolling beat-em-up you might have heard of called Punch Quest. Uh, this is free on the App Store. It's by Rocket Cat Games. So get yourselves on there. The leaderboard we're going to be uh, working on is Punch Quest Score. And uh, as you're playing it, you'll unlock, unlock some powers and stuff like that. It, we're going to say that it doesn't matter what powers you unlock. Um, you can unlock all the things you like, set up the powers um, in whichever way suits you, and uh, set the highest score you can on there. Um, Remember to add me on Game Center, Jay Stokes, J-A-Y-C-E-S-T-O-K-E-S. Add me on there. Um, you can add Willie as well if you like, imagine Willie. If you want to use the challenge system to send us a challenge across um, and highlight your score to us, we can do that and that would be really good as well. Um, we'll look at those scores. We'll see who's got the best in a couple of weeks' time. Um, we'll keep it going until it gets boring, really. Yeah, good luck and uh, we'll see you on the leaderboards. And that's pretty much all I've got to say, to be honest with you. Um, those of you who do miss Will's voice, obviously you've heard him in the interviews and that, so you've had your fill, but uh, he'll be back next time along with me for uh, the normal show. Until then, just get in touch with anything you've got to say to us. You can always find us on the Twitter, at console underscore ninjas. We're always on the emails, console ninjas podcast at gmail.com. Um, anything you want to tell us, any feedback, any suggestions for features, suggestions for the Ninja Challenge games, um, any studios you'd like us to try and get an interview with, just anything you'd like us to talk about, give us a shout. And, um, yeah, we'd we love to get your feedback. And if you want to throw us a review on the iTunes, feel free to do that. Right, I'm going to shoot off then. Thanks all for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, we'll carry on with this new format. I'm really liking it so far. So uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.